Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 97 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have with me today, Scott Burgess. Welcome to the show. Esty, you're the best. Thank you. I know this is, uh, you know, for a joke for everybody, this is our second time doing this because of all the COVID, <laughs> you know, technical TNC, house cleaning stuff that was going on. So what's up, Esty? <laughs> what's up? All right. Take two, everybody. Um, so Scott is awesome and super patient as we sort of had our tech issues during this incredible time in the world. Um, so Scott is a Boston native, South Florida transplant and entrepreneur. So guys, execution is not for everyone and neither is consulting, but Scott has managed to merge the two and highlight what results are meant to look like. For over 16 years, he has served his customers cheerfully. I love the language in here. <laughs> with the goal to create raving fans, loyal customers, and provide value beyond expectations. He is currently the owner and operator of Healthcare 360 Media, which hosts the top 15 medical podcast, Healthcare 360 Podcast. Love it. Love it. Ah, Scott, you you must be in the thick of things now. But before we dive into that, I'd really love for you to continue. Before we kicked off, as we were sorting out our tech, you mentioned a meeting with John Legend. Before we go into everything else, can you tell me a little <laughs> more about that? All right. So I'll give you a backstory. This was about four years ago. And to preface the conversation, we're talking about uh, people who are profitable, but are losing money because of what their output is, right? So I went to West Palm Beach. So now I live in Boca Raton, Florida. We went to West Palm Beach Amphitheater. We went to go see Kid Rock. So after a couple of beers, now I'm from Boston, so I have to do it appropriately. I'm hearing the Boston <laughs> accent. I have, I'm from New York originally, and I have family in Boston. Right, right, right. So, Brookline, to be specific. Okay, yep. So I'm from Brighton, Massachusetts originally. So right across the street okay. from the Charles, got you again, uh, Charles River. So we ended up going to the Kid Rock concert in West Palm Beach with a few friends and I introduced this guy and uh, was introduced to this guy and he came back and I was like, hey, what's your name? What's going on? And his name was John Legend. Now it wasn't the singer songwriter that everyone knows. So ah. yeah, so there's your first twist. So I said, oh, that's cool. And guy was like super chill, super chill. I said, so tell me what you do. And he goes, well, I, I'm in the porn industry. And I was like, what? okay. I was like, interesting. I said, like, I would love to know about that. Tell me about it. And it's not what anyone thinks about it, what I learned. And so when we were talking about what people are taking in versus what they're outputting in marketing dollars, he said, now he was the founder of, um, I don't know, well, bangbrothers.com. Uh, and I was like, okay. Great. <laughs> I told you the interesting story. And uh, he oh, said dear. that yeah. they were making roughly somewhere between, on average, uh, 27 to $34 million a month. Oh, wow. But, but 
their output was about 17 million at that time. So half of their revenue, their bottom line was used for marketing dollars. He says it's extremely competitive and, uh, and most, if not all of their money is not going towards talent. It's all going towards IT and servers and controls and video and everything else like that. So wow. with everything that we thought, it tr he, and he came out, he goes, you know something? It truly is just a business. That's all it is. It's entertainment. It's a different form of entertainment. Nothing more, nothing less. It's cutthroat. Uh, it is what it is. But when I looked at, when you told me about the story of someone making a hundred grand per month, but how much are they keeping and netting at the end of the month after all their work and marketing Yay. efforts and everything else? Someone's Ooh. at front door. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I that's love my all ring. the things that are working from home. <laughs> so after all that output, what are they what are they holding on to at the end of the day and that's it brought up that story and uh it was just i found it to be fascinating i was like jim you're making on average 30 million a month but you're outputting 17 and you're netting and you're like yeah that's exactly what it is and i was like wow i never knew i never knew you, you always just think of someone's just pulling out a camera and recording and posting up on the internet not the case not even close it's a full production. No, not, not when you're in a business industry. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Gosh, hold on. Let me lower that so that doesn't happen again. Hold on. No problem. And that, my friends, is the reality of COVID and everything that we're dealing with. Professional what? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. So tell me a little bit, what is it like being in healthcare during this unprecedented time in history? Uh, I'm going to use the right adjective for this. It's a little bit surreal, to be honest. You have some okay. markets and some divisions that are just can't keep up because the pace has never been seen before because it's an unprecedented time. It really is an unprecedented time where people are needing to move, respond, and act in ways they've never had to do before because it's, very, it's a very atypical environment, okay? So that's one. On the other side of things, depending on what business line you're in and what you do, it's dead. Right. So it's, it, it's one way or the other. There is no, there really is no way of describing um, how busy people are. So I'll give you an example. I know people in the monitoring business and the patient bed business and the disposable business that are, it's through the roof. It's the, they can't even keep up. And to the point where yeah. you would consider it customer dissatisfaction because they're not replying to emails, text messages, phone calls, they get into them when they can. Okay. Yeah. I see that on the downside a little bit because things are starting to slow down a little bit. And I'll give you an example of that is I have a, a good girlfriend who now I'm married four kids. And so when I say girlfriend, I mean friend, uh, who lives over in the Tampa area and the state of Florida put out a purchase order for about $3 million, 3.2 million in new product for patient beds. Now these beds are also for a surplus and that surplus is that they can use them in an emergency as we are in right now in this uh, pandemic and this crisis, but when they're not in use, they're stackable and you can store them away. So they're, you can uh, repurpose them as needed. Okay. But they came back in their anticipation. I remember when Governor DeSantis came out and their anticipation was that they're going to have something around 
plus or minus a little bit, 50,000 active COVID patients, uh, depending on the region of the state, it was only a couple hundred. So overall, the overall impact of the state was sub 4,000. So they canceled oh, the wow. order by half. So that $3.1 million order was cut down to 1.1. They still needed the services in the bed and they needed the repository of having those extra beds when needed. So they followed through with that, but they just they didn't have to go and spend all their capital and, and get everything that they needed. So that's one side of it. The patient monitoring business is another one. So if you think about a patient who has COVID, you need a patient bed, you need some mattress so they don't get to Cupid or Seltzers and pressure sores and things like that. Because if that happens, then they're definitely losing more money, okay? Then you have the patient monitoring. We have to have vital signs, IV bag, disposables, and all the linen and all the little bed trays and things of that nature, if you will. Uh, I don't know how experienced mm -hmm. well we've seen people or patients in hospitals, but all the little disposable things that they would use and then throw away. I know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've, in addition to the five kids, I've regrettably I've <laughs> been hospitalized a couple of times for various things. So I've definitely spent enough time there. I get all, all the patient care accessories. I get that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So right now, uh, that, that's one. So my podcast, uh, we have been recording every day uh, and sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, we have CEOs, wow. we have VPs, uh, we have administrators, we have surgeon physicians coming along and they are just contributing. Uh, one, because we have more accessibility to them because they're not so tied up throughout, throughout the day. But at the same time, they want to get the message out there. They want to let people know what's actually going on, which is really cool. So I've been really fortunate. So as we talked about earlier, before we started recording in the pre-podcast was, you know, not this challenge in time, but this enlightenment, right, that we've been going through. Yeah. It really has been different. So right now, uh, one of my focuses that I've always done really well, and I've been in the business for over 16 years, I think some, sometime in the podcast, say 15 years, 18 years, I, I forget, it's been a long time. But I go in and I design operating rooms, intensive care units, and I design these clinical spaces and environments for these hospitals. And they pay me to consult them on how to do it and what it looks like, how it needs to be able to bidirectionally communicate. So all the infrastructure, for the most part, that's a key word there, is all the infrastructure that goes into a patient space. I'm the one that they would call that's responsible for coordinating with the architects, the planners, the engineers, and administration, and the physicians to make sure that it all happens. So that's what, all, that's what I do on a day-to-day. -day. fascinating. It's cool. How do you get into that? Uh, uh, I'll give you the short version of it. So the call I just told you about, I was on a call mm -hmm. with Dr. Kenneth Bach. Uh, he is a foremost leader in interventional functional medicine. I know him because when my daughter was born, she was born at 34 weeks gestation. So my wife and her were in a hit and run car accident. So oh my gosh. yeah, it was, it was uh, surreal. It was crazy. It was scary, but everything turned out well. So she had some issues, developmental issues when she was younger. Now, if you saw this child today versus when she was born, it's a complete 180 and then some. Uh, it, she had a complete turnaround. So Kenneth Bach, uh, we knew back in the day, he came onto the show today, we talked about it, and he's an interventional functional medicine. He's a, a um, top seller in books. Uh, he just came up with another one. He just released a manuscript. We talked about that a little bit, but he talks about he's the foremost expert in microbiome and the brain gut matrix, all of it. Uh, brain gut, I know. I have no idea what microbiome is. 
So if you look at microbiome, Naveen Jain and all these thought leaders in that area is traditional medicine as it is compartmentalizes because there's a payment system surrounded about around it. Okay. Mother nature never designed it to be that way. So I'll leave that statement. No. There you, you can't, you, you know, the body doesn't function with like different pieces, like a puzzle. Like, I'll take this one out, wipe it Absolutely. off, put it back in afterwards. Right. So what, what the microbiome is, the microbiome is all the flora and the gut and the neuroactivity that's inside your belly okay, that hyper communicates with the brain, your emotion. It, it really is the ISO center of everything. Okay. So when you have a, uh, I want to say poorly designed, but if you have jacked up your microbiome and your gut to the point where you're not going to the bathroom well, you're stressed, uh, you, you have bad skin, things of that nature, and I'll just keep it high level real quick, um, those are some indications that you have to kind of balance those things out. So the microbiome, for example, and I'll, I'll, this is the big topic that Dr. Bach and I were just talking about was, I know this is veering off a little bit, but it's kind of a cool point. When elective C-sections are executed, you're jacking with that kid's microbiome because you're now removing or depleting voluntarily the natural bacteria and flora that we need to survive and thrive as humans, as a species. You're removing it altogether. Our bodies are designed to do it that way unless it's trauma, unless it's just another it's unless it's a way to avoid death for the mother for the most part right. or, or, the, or for the baby okay so those are some of the topics that we talked about and it was amazing oh my gosh this he was just so so impressive on the phone uh, even more so than i remember him the last time we spoke but the reason why i asked him to come on to the show is that there's a lot of people that came to us for requests about adhd and um different bloodborne pathogens and diseases and viruses and how do you address them? And we talked about all of it. And it wasn't, you're gonna pick and choose little topic points to say, oh, I'm gonna try that and give that a try, which most humans are gonna to try to do because they're lazy. It's look, there's different sequences to the administration of these, these, um, these techniques, for one, as far as administration of supplementation also on how to gauge and how to kind of give yourself a phased up because nothing happens overnight in business we brought this back to business real quick if we would become successful overnight and our we were to scale five thousand percent we wouldn't know what to do most of the time it would just implode right. yeah so i want to try to translate what you're saying i think into lay people's terms i would try to think sure. in the mind of my audience like if you're know, listening to this, if they are familiar with this, so they know it all already, but if they're not, and I'm only a slightly familiar with, with this aspect of, of health, um, what I'm understanding is, you know, definitely, I think we've all heard about gut health, right? Like all the flora and fauna and the bacteria and a lot of people on probiotics. And we know if you take antibiotics, you don't take any probiotics, you're killing all the good guys along with the bad guys. You got to put the good guys back in. Um, and what I'm understanding is, that keeping that balance of the good bacteria in your gut, which I'm guessing is like, you know, stomach and intestines is very important for health. We do have um, a whole kind of brain in our stomach, right? There's nerves and communication. Um, and so I'm understanding this surrounding the whole aspect of 
the good bacteria living there, getting yourself to a place where your bacteria balance is in a good place and that helps with your overall health. Would that be like kind of a lay person understanding? I'd say so. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we want to make okay. sure that I'm guessing it's a lot more complicated than that. Oh, <laughs> because think of it, think most things it's are, a simple way that's... of putting it, right? So you know how like you have a bad gut reaction or a bad feeling in your gut if someone makes you uneasy. Yeah. Right? It's the vagus nerve, right? Isn't yeah, that the, the nerve vagus, that's in your gut? It's the vagus, vagus nerve. It's like the big yeah, big the guy. Vagus nerve in combination with the trigeminal, because the trigeminal is the initial brain that initiates response to the brain stem uh, deep inside your brain. Uh, right behind your eyes. So those two guys are talking all day, every day, about everything. Right behind your eyes is pineal gland. That's in the center. Yeah. So mm -hmm. think of the eyes and then right as it comes down, going into the brain stem. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. I've been getting much more into all these things over the last like year or two. And it just, it blows my mind because I think you get, I think we all get to a point in our adult life where we're like, okay, been there, done that, heard this, seen this. I teach that better than that guy, you know? And then um, if you're lucky, and I have been so lucky, somehow a door opens into a whole new world of knowledge. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of what's happened to me in the last year, year and a half. And these different elements of healthcare and understanding um, I've been very into quantum mechanics and quantum physics and all of that stuff. And it's just an entirely new world of knowledge and health. I started juicing. I'm super healthy now. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but all these things. Okay, cool. So we, we could go down that road, but I, I want to steer us down a slightly different road, keep it connected to business. And I, I want to understand, and that's how we, we landed at the gut health thing, how do you get into designing hospital rooms and patient rooms and patient care spaces and operating? Like how is the background architecture? Is the background medical? Is the background spatial construction? Like what is so, it? I graduated high school with an architectural degree. So how do you graduate high school with an architectural degree? Because I went to a vocation, technical vocational school. So I graduated with a liberal arts education, but a, so my brother graduated with an electrical degree. So there were six fields that were in there, my brother. Yeah, but what was, oh, sorry, I, I said who and I meant what. What kind oh, of degree? So electrical. So my brother's an electrical engineer. Electrical, he, got he it. Oh, original okay. training in high school. So our school offered electrical, carpentry, computer science, architectural. Uh, there was, a, mm, I don't want to say art, but marketing and design, that, that regard. And there was one other subset, I think it was um, culinary. Okay, so you can pick any of those fields. Cool. The, the name of the school was- oh my uh, This is my Ball. dream, by the way. Like I will be opening a vocational school. Like this has been my dream for over 10 years. Yeah, it was really cool. We'll so uh, John Don Bosco, he was a Silesian uh, priest, uh, born and raised in Boston, uh, we said in the beginning. And he, a lot of the kids that he took in, now this is, you know, back in like 1400, 1500, okay? A lot of the kids who took him, they were impoverished. They didn't have a skill. So he took them in, taught them a trade so they can go out and earn for themselves and start you know, providing for their families and et cetera, et cetera. So he taught them a skill set that he can actually learn with. And, and that's the underlying um, kind of guide of where the school was. So the school obviously expanded. They offered those offerings and those skill sets. I went into drafting and architecture. 
so I graduated, graduated school with that degree. Uh, when I went to Northeastern University, I then went into uh, sports medicine. So I taught there as a specialty lecturer. I taught advanced neuroanatomy in kinematics and functional assessments um, and, and functional movement patterns. Everything that's around kinesiology of the human body, everything that back then I, I thought was, you know, the grand poopah of like knowledge, which today I look back at it, I'm like, eh, a little bit, yeah, but not all of it. So when my daughter, going back to that point, was in the hit and run car accident, we owned a business. We owned um, what we called um, Complete Athlete Sports Performance Clinics up in Derry, New Hampshire. And it's still running today, but we ended up selling it because my, we, I didn't need to be around. And it was an eight-day job uh, week for the mm -hmm. most part. So we, we, <laughs> Eight-day work week, yeah, I'm yeah. familiar with that. Uh, so it's, uh, it was just all day, all night, every day, no matter why, it, we, I was working on this business and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I said, I'm gonna sell it. We need to move closer to some family so they can help out. And again, my daughter was on a very limited diet. And again, she wasn't, she was alive. She wasn't striving and thriving like she is today. So from that point, I just threw my name out in the hat and said, um, I'm going to go take a job and then I'm going to rebuild what I did, but down in New Jersey. So we moved from where we were in New Hampshire down in New Jersey. So we're like, okay, great. I took the job and uh, I met this, this guy we used to run the country with and I fell in love with the job. By luck, by chance, by the way the universe is aligned, I was able to combine my architectural degree with my advanced anatomy degrees. And everything that I learned in school, which I also have a business uh, minor as well, and smash it all together. So now I'm sitting down with physicians and surgeons, and he's like, okay, we need to, only when I first started as well, we only started in the intensive care unit. And then it very quickly bled into the OR, to GI, and then any, to any special um, patient environment that needed a, a clinical aspect to it, design. So that's how the whole thing came about. So. It happened by chance, to be honest, but I had all the knowledge in me the entire time. And once we moved from the intensive care side over to the LRs, uh, I got the reputation uh, nationally because I was one of three people at the time that built what they call an interoperative CT or an ICT suite. And what, what that, that is, mean? yeah, I'll, I'll explain it. It's really cool stuff. So Let's say, for example, um, you knew someone that may have had a brain tumor, okay? So they would have to get it excised or removed, okay? So they would go in for a scan, and based on that scan, which could have been a week ago, three, four days ago, or two weeks ago, it all depends on the timing of when the elective surgery would be open. That tumor is still growing in between. They don't know the exact millimeters measurements, and so when they go in for surgery, it's almost like they have never taken the shot, although they have more information than they did if they didn't have the scan. So side bank that for a second. So now what we had done was in a general OR, we now installed an interoperative MR or CT. So in real time, and this is really cool, in real time, we can scan the patient, bring them out of the scan, open up, remove everything up to a millimeter, okay? Remove everything that needs to be removed up to a millimeter and all guided, okay, through IR, 
close up, rescan, make sure that we got everything. And if we didn't, we go back in. And if we did, we're done. Boom. Wow. So it's saving, it was saving people's lives. So I was one of three people in the world at that time that knew how to not only kind of collaborate people together, but how to also implement and how to guide architects and planners on how to install these types of rooms. And at the time, I think, uh, I think it was like maybe seven or eight in the country. And I had, I would, I was the one responsible for seven of them. So it was really cool. That is so cool. Yeah. yeah. What was it your idea? Like, how did it even like, well, the gentleman who trained who me thought of it. Uh, so it was yeah. a bunch of uh, large companies. So it was a company called uh, Trump medical. Who was one of the companies that I worked for at the time. It was brain lab and it was Siemens. They built the first one at a university hospital in Munich, Germany, and they made all the mistakes in the world. All of them. They jacked up the room ahead of time. Uh, they made adjustments. They made just, you know, whatever kind of sidebar mistakes they had to make. And then when they refined the technology in the implementation of it, and they brought it to the States and all around the world, uh, I was fortunate enough to work along a gentleman. His name was Charlie Dalbert, a great guy. Uh, amazing. I haven't spoken to him in years, but he was just a wonderful guy. And he taught me everything that he knew. And I picked it up from there. That is so cool. So right now your current company, in addition to having a top healthcare podcast, your company designs medical spaces. We do. Yeah. yeah we go in and we design uh, hybrid labs, IR labs down here in South Florida, for example. Uh, I've gotten quite a bit of a reputation where people have said, just call Scott, he'll take care of it. And we're done. What's an IR lab? I don't know what a hybrid lab is either. That's the truth. Really, oh, what are sorry. both of those things? Yeah. So if I'm using, yeah, thank you for stopping me there. Because so if I'm an interventional radiology lab or a catheterization lab ah, okay. or an electrophysiology lab or a hybrid OR or a general OR or a cardiovascular OR. Yeah. Okay. I'll still jargon. In like lay person speak. So open labs heart that have do more than one thing. Okay. I, yeah. I've heard those words before. So if someone, if someone has a heart attack, you would go to a catheterization lab because that's the lab where they can see inside the vessels as well as outside, so internal and external to those vessels where they know where to scrub the plaque and get it out or where to put the stent so the blood can flow so you don't have a repeat or a reoccurrence of the heart attack. Got it. Being so deep, like I've kind of wondered about this, especially as I've learned more about, you know, law of attraction, manifestation kind of things, like being so deep in healthcare and dealing with all these different medical conditions, all these things wrong, does not, not give you panic? <laughs> no, you know, I'll tell you what the biggest, I'll tell you what I love and I'll tell you what I hate at the same time. And I use yeah. the word hate loosely, but I, I do really dislike it very, very, very much. Okay. So I love helping people. I can't stand I could be so pissed off at somebody, but I can't stop myself from helping somebody. I just have to do it. And it's not a bleeding heart syndrome or anything else like that. Because if you actually, if anyone learns anything from me today, I want it to be this. You have a ripple effect. Okay. You have a ripple effect. So your ripple effect can either be chosen to be negative or positive. Okay. And again, as mad as I get sometimes, uh, or just irritated or frustrated or whatever adjective you want to kind of put in that blank, my ripple effect, I always want to be remembered for my legacy of wanting to help people. That's it. That's all I want to do. That's all I really care about at the end of the day. Um, and we'll talk about my podcast in a second too, but we don't monetize. But the amount of information that we're delivering on the podcast is helping thousands of people, period. I know it is. So 
if I can help people, that's what I care about. And that's what I love about the business. What I hate about the business is this, is that a lot of people don't care. They just don't, they just go through the routine and they're collecting the paycheck. And it's everything that you and I are not, because I can see your enthusiasm a lot um, through social and through just our interaction right now. And yeah. when you go through the practices of installing these rooms and building these rooms and, and knowing that the only thing that matters, and let's just talk about an operating room, for example, the only thing that matters is that patient bed, because that's what holds the patient. Everything else is just equipment, big deal. It's supporting equipment to that patient, but the only thing that matters is that patient. So the biggest mistakes that hospitals make, I'm gonna use this in lay terms so people understand, if you're gonna build a cardiovascular or a heart attack room, or if you're gonna build a pediatric or a C-section room, if you're gonna build an interventional uh, or an interventional radiology suite, okay, that's gonna help people with heart attacks, they're not using the same planners, the equipment planners, the architects, or the same engineers time and time again. They go through a round of five, and everyone's different in their approach. And every time you go to design these new suites, it should be one, two, three, and done. I could do this stuff in my sleep. But you have, you're dealing with new architects, you're dealing with new planners, and what should be done in probably about five to six meetings oftentimes exceeds 18 to 20. Wow. And Why? It's just grossly inefficient. And in some, in some cases, not all, in some cases, being fair to the other side is sometimes there's walls and there's uh, pillars or there's different conduits or there's different there's technical structural issues with the space yeah. that are problematic. Exactly. And, and the one thing that I've also noticed a lot, which is on the accountability side, because again, a lot of people are moving, or a lot of people are moving in and out or new job roles, et cetera, is that the only thing that matters at the end of the day in my profession are the CADs, are the AutoCADs. So Let's put it to you this way. Is any, AutoCAD else? are the people who design the architectural space on AutoCAD? Is that the architects? What yeah, are you calling yeah. them? But, but the CAD. Oh, the do we call the architects AutoCAD now? <laughs> no, 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 no. The architects are the architect, but the CAD, the CAD files. So that, that's the representation of all four ah, walls. So when you say the AutoCAD, what matters is the files that have been developed that will guide the design and, exactly. and build. So let me, okay. let me give you a filler for that. So let's say. Oh, wait, we have to guys, for, this, for, the, for the lay people, AutoCAD is an architectural design program. I'm not sure that everyone even knows that. Yes. Yep. But let's put it in the layman's terms <laughs> real quick. So let's say yeah. a, a person is building a new kitchen. They have to design a new kitchen. Okay. Mm. And they, they want to put an outlet at location A, at location B, and location C. Great. You know that. Okay. And a year later, they say, you know something? We need to add another outlet over there so that technically would be area d okay so someone comes in they hire an electrician the electrician comes in and goes okay well where's where's the circuit that we can tie it into and they will i don't know i'm not the architect <laughs> right i'm not the plant well where right. are the drawings where are the cad files right the blueprints the cad the blueprints. files or i guess we, once upon a time we called them blueprints mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, yes, exactly. So a lot of times in hospitals and healthcare, 
the documentation record, the CADs, the blueprints, the files that matter aren't accurate or up to date. So if we go into a new suite or a new side of the building or space, and we need to know what's there before we break down so we can pre-plan, so we can make this predictive, so we can make this as streamlined, as efficient as possible. And then all of a sudden we go, oops, we didn't see that one. It wasn't on the drawings. Now guess what? That's gonna delay you three, four or five days. And that's where all these overruns and over costs come in, in these change orders. Because uh, what's happening is these contractors come in, which all do a wonderful job. They really do a great job. They do the best they can with the information that they know. But what happens is at the end of the day, they come back and they say, well, you know something to the change order and they're coming in at smallest margin as possible. But as soon as that change order comes in, bam, pay me, boom, pay me again. And it, it, then it becomes a vicious cycle. And that's where a lot of the extraneous costs come in healthcare that people do not recognize. And that's just from- I totally get that. And it's so funny because I had a bunch of those contractors as clients, mm -hmm. right? Like I've worked with a bunch of different people, different elements of the construction industry that would be, and I know some of my clients have done hospital jobs like that. So yeah. I, I totally get it. This is the first time I've spoken to someone on your end of the table. Like I usually deal with the people, at least in my business, on the other end of the table. Uh, but I totally get that. And, uh, you know, it's not about- pointing fingers it's just the uh, the inefficiencies in the system yeah right? exactly. and, and the way it's built there's no person who can fix it and this for me is why i don't work with corporate my focus is small business specifically micro business i like working with the business owners once or twice i've taken on a client where i work with an employee and they're and every time it fails mm. because they can't implement at the level they need to to be successful because there's too many layers then there's management then there's the coworker, then there's the budget approval then there's the whatever when you work with a business owner you're in charge it makes sense to you you got the plan you go you execute it works when you're inside this you're just a cog in a wheel right and i've thought about it so much having i'm in this field for over 10 years there isn't a way it's just what it is Mm -hmm. Like you can, if you have, you know, if you're kayaking, you can turn in 3.1 seconds, right? But if you have an army ship with 16 airplanes on board, you can't. You just there can't isn't do. anything to be said. Right. That's just what it means to be an army ship. That's just what it is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it easier. And I totally get that. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?